0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. The evil that is seemingly
1: allowed to prosper will always serve God's end in the end. I think of Joseph. Like with Joseph before Esther, and so too is this true with us today after Esther. No plan or plot from the enemy will ever succeed against God's people.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Esther. The question of why evil exists is a question that's common to both believers and non-believers alike. However, where we look to find the reasons and answers makes all the difference in the world. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us how the sovereignty of God prevails over all evil and how His hand protects those who He calls His own. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Esther, chapter 7, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Verse 5, So, King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he? Now wait a minute. Haman is there. Do you think for a second that he doesn't realize uh-oh. Where is he? Oh, <laughs> who is he? It's me. You are the man. <laughs> and then he says this. This would have had to have sent shivers up and down his wicked spine. Who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, "The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman." Okay, you'll bear with me. I again, I would have loved. I, this is I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at this banquet. I would have loved to have seen this whole thing play out. I'm of the belief that when Esther said, and she's, she doesn't mince words here, the adversary and enemy, is this wicked? Adversary, enemy, wicked. I think she pointed to him. Is this wicked Haman? <laughs> and we're told, so Haman was terrified before the king and queen." Ya think? Ya think? (laughs) I don't know if it's possible to describe how utterly shocking this must have been for both of them. Not just Haman. Could you imagine what's going through the king's mind right about now? I mean, for him, This was his wife, the queen no less, and she was to be killed and her people with her by virtue of the irrevocable edict that he himself issued. He had been deceived, and if that weren't bad enough, he had been led to believe that these were a certain people, not the Jewish people, and certainly that this would also include his wife. How about Haman? Uh, I guess he knows now that Esther is a Jew. Surprise, surprise. And (laughs) I don't know if he realized, and we're going to read this, I think when we get to chapter 8, I don't think he realized that Haman didn't realize that Mordecai was Esther's cousin. I wonder if he's kind of connecting the dots right about now. Wait, Mordecai is a Jew. Esther is a Jew. I really believe that God gave Esther the wisdom and the prudence to have this second banquet for a number of reasons, one of which was to give the king insomnia so he could learn about Mordecai, but also it was, I like how one commentator said it, he said it this way, now the wisdom of Esther's strange request to invite Haman to these banquets can be seen. It maximized the impact upon both the king and upon Haman himself." I mean down to the gnat's eyebrow, and yes, gnat's have eyebrows. Every detail is perfect, and God is orchestrating everything perfectly. Verse 7, then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther pleading for his life, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. Uh, this is what they call a firm grasp of the obvious. Haman knows rightfully that he's a dead man. He's a dead man walking. He's a dead man begging now for his wife. And here's the king, and it's kind of interesting that he would leave I actually believe that God put it on his heart to walk out in his wrath. It could be that he needed to just process what just happened. And by the way, what just happened just took place really fast in just a matter of maybe a couple of minutes. In, in the span of maybe a couple of minutes, the king went from a banquet to grant his queen her request up to half of his kingdom to realizing that his right hand man, the man who bore his signet ring, the man whom he trusted with his own life, had deceived him and betrayed him and got him to issue a decree, irrevocable decree that meant the death of, of his beloved queen, who, by the way, I know and believe he loved with a love that God gave him for her. That's why he chose her. I believe that God gave him a love for her. And I also believe that God gave Esther a love for him. I, I, You know, the movies that they've made to depict the uh, account of Esther, I think, falls sadly short because they, they take, and I get the whole, you know, license, you know, thing, but sometimes it, it can, well, I don't, I don't want to go off on that. Let's just say that someone has yet to make a, a pic, a motion picture depicting the true account of what took place with uh, Esther. But I digress. So back to our <laughs> Bible study already in progress. The king has been played for a fool. You don't do that to the king. And he's probably just got a... Another reason he may have left, other than the fact that God put it on his heart to leave because of what we're about to see uh, take place, is maybe he had to restrain himself from just killing Haman right there on the spot. And this is his wife. Listen, I, I tell you, as a, a husband who loves his wife of 29 years more than anything in the world, if, if somebody <laughs> did anything, something, anything, even remotely close to this, he will be in grave danger. <laughs> and it would be everything to keep me from laying hands on him. And i got to believe that the king, he'll let his men do it, but i got to wonder if he just had to walk away before he just killed this guy. Well, and then again in the back of his mind, He's got to be thinking, uh, wait a minute, not only is this my, my love, my queen, my wife, but her people are the Jews. You don't think the king knew how much the Jews had prospered his kingdom? Oh, they prospered his kingdom greatly. And now, because of Haman, who has be- deceived him and betrayed him, they're going to be annihilated. And, and, i sold them out for 30 million dollars these people are worth many times more than that to the kingdom to say nothing of my wife meanwhile back at the banquet so the king is you know trying to process everything and gather himself but back back at the banquet here's haman <laughs> pleading for his life he knows the king is going to execute him he'll be beheaded uh, normally, but as we're going to see, we've got another pl- thing planned for, we got something special uh, for this guy. It happens to be a 75-foot gallows, but we'll get to that in a moment. Isn't that interesting? One would think that Esther would be the one who would have pleaded with Haman for her life, and now Haman is pleading for his life, with Esther? Does that sound to you like something that only God can do? Again, God has, as only He can and always does, orchestrated everything perfectly in this way. And this is the way, His way, that the Jews are going to be delivered. I want to I talk about this in a moment, but I just want to I want you to be thinking about this as we get uh, more into the study. Do you think that um, if Esther and even Mordecai with her could have come up with a plan or a way for her and her people to be delivered, that she could have ever come up with this? How about in, in her prayer when they prayed and fasted? Do you think that Esther would have ever prayed, Lord, I, I want Haman to plead for his life with me? You think she would have ever thought of that? And here's God now orchestrating this to where he's pleading with Esther for his life. Verse eight, when the king returned, by the way, things are about to go. If, if they couldn't, if you can imagine that it's going to get even worse for Haman, it's going to get even worse for Haman right now. So the king returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was you can't make this thing this kind of stuff up can you and the king said will, he, will what are you dude will he also assault the queen while i am in the house this would be unthinkable this is the king and the queen this is not John and Jane Doe down the street. This is the king and the queen. And as the word, look at this detail. As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. They put something over his head. He, he could not look at the king after, after this. And he's now on his way to, you'll forgive my, This, I'm gonna make it sound really spiritual and call it a sanctified satisfaction (laughs) in seeing Haman get what he deserves. And for the king to walk in at this precise moment, I mean, only God can do that. And there's another irony here with Haman thinking he had succeeded in killing all of the Jews, only to be killed because he came against the Jews. I love that. And it's like, yes! Yes! There is coming a day when every knee is going to bow, and every blasphemous tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You'll forgive my righteous anger here, but that day's coming. And knowing that keeps me sane, because I would lose my mind when I see the evil as it waxes worse seemingly by the day. And it seems to go unpunished, as if they're getting away with it. Oh, they won't get away with it. It may it may seem like evil is prospering, but there is coming that day when the Hamans of this world will be dealt with. And I can't wait. And I'm asking God for a front row seat. To, is that bad? <laughs> to watch it all play out. I want to see that cover go over their head. I want to see the Hamans of this world hung on the gallows they themselves have created. This is where I wonder, uh, cause I wonder about these things. I wonder if he remembers what his wife said before they came and got him to bring him to the, to the banquet about if Mordecai is a Jew. Well, guess what, honey? <laughs> Mordecai is a Jew. And you know that. And you will not prevail over them. They will prevail over you. Anyone who curses the Jews will be cursed, and anyone who blesses them will be blessed. Verse 9, now Harbonah, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, look, (laughs) the gallows, what a coincidence, right? What a coincidence. The gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, translated, it's the same Mordecai that saved your life, O king, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him on it. Get him out of here and hang him on it. So, verse 10, I love verse 10, you'll forgive me. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Just to remind you, that he had prepared for Mordecai, then the king's wrath subsided. That's an interesting detail too. There's some typology there. We're going to talk about that before we finish this uh, book. At the beginning of our study through Esther, I made the comment that, We would see God's sovereignty and providence throughout this book, even though we would not see his name mentioned, or even the name uh, or the title God is nowhere in this book, but his sovereignty and providence is everywhere throughout the book. And this is a perfect example of it. God's perfect timing in a very powerful way and at the exact moment in time. And how about that eunuch informing the king at that exact moment? Oh, by the way, king, you're having him take taken out to be put to death. Um, you probably should know something, that, Mordechai, that Haman built these gallows for Mordecai, and they're actually at uh, his place. <laughs> Oh, how convenient. Well, then that's what we're going to do. Do you believe that God put that on the eunuch's heart to inform the king of these gallows at that moment? I do. And something else here that, and maybe I could be rightfully accused of reading too much into it, but I kind of wonder if, they wanted to see Haman get this and what he deserved too, which tells me that uh, the eunuchs knew who this guy was, and they knew he was an evil man, and they knew what he was up to and what he was doing. This is a textbook case of God taking that which was meant for evil and working it for good for the salvation of his people. and it's not just that God does it, it's how God does it, and even when God does it, in the sense that the evil that is seemingly allowed to prosper will always serve God's end in the end. I think of Joseph, like with Joseph before Esther, and so too is this true with us today after Esther, No plan or plot from the enemy will ever succeed against God's people. I want to uh, share with you some passages. Uh, The first couple are out of Isaiah. One I'm sure you know well is Isaiah 54, 17. It's meant for Israel but applies to God's people because we have the New Testament equivalent of it. Isaiah says, verse 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Isaiah 45, 24, They will say of me, In the Lord alone are deliverance and strength, all who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. You could virtually insert Haman's name into all of these verses, and it would read true. Psalm 7, verses 14 through 16. Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit, and dug it out, and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown." Boy, if that's not, if if Haman is not the poster child for Psalm 7, 14 through 16. Proverbs 26, 27, Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. You set a trap for a man, you'll be trapped by the trap that you set. You try to roll a stone on someone, it's going to roll back on you. You want to dig a pit for Mordechai? Well, you're going to be the one that ends up in that pit, just like you're going to be the one that ends up on those gallows. Lastly, Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14. Listen to Solomon what he wrote. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. And here's why, verse 14, very interesting. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil, it'll be shadow from the rooftops.
0: Thanks for being part of our time here today on In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to stay connected with you, so visit inspiritandtruthradio.com today. You'll find a link to our Twitter page where you can join the conversation and fill your feed with encouragement. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com, as well as more information about who we are as a community of faith. If you can't join us in person, you can still benefit from Pastor JD's teachings through our online resources at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Simply click Listen on the top of the page to find a number of previous messages by Pastor J.D. in various books of the Bible. Along with that, we invite you to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update. The Mideast Prophecy Update is a focused look at current events through the lens of prophecy. The Bible has given us clear indications of what's to come, and we can see these events being played out around the world. Join Pastor J.D. each Friday and Saturday for the Mideast Prophecy Update on our YouTube channel or download our mobile app to have these updates right at your fingertips. Find a link at inspiritandtruthradio.com We're so glad you tuned in today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has much more to share from the Old Testament book of Esther when you join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth.
1: Holy me truth you